did. Whoa. Hold on. Forgot to take the loop off. That's funny, man. I always make a mistake. That cracks me up. Good morning, everybody. It's Pastor Randy over here at Made Free Church, Made Free Church, Weezer, Idaho, and ReformPastor.net. Hey, um, you know, I just wanted to, to come before you guys and uh, and uh, just kind of, you know, I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that you guys are watching. I'm glad for the podcast. And I uh, hope you guys are having a great morning. You know, um, God is so good, right? Anyway, so uh, before we get started, um, you know, uh, let's see here. Guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We're a praying church. We believe in the the the, the power of prayer and the essentials of prayer, you know, um, and making your request be known to God. And we love to pray for you. So if you guys need prayer, go to madefreechurch.org. We have a whole intercessory prayer team that is set up to pray over your prayer requests. So guys, if you guys need prayer, go to madefreechurch.org because we'd love to pray for you. Now we're going to continue our study here in uh, Romans. I've been picking, I've been picking apart Romans twelve uh, verses uh, one and two, and, and I want to continue that. Um, and so let's get into prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, Lord. We just ask, Lord, that you bless this Bible study, Lord. That you bless the things that are going on in our lives and ministry and stuff like that, Lord, that you are lifted up and glorified. Lord, get this lowly preacher out of the way and let your word go forward in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let me... Uh... I don't know if you guys can hear that, but... Anyway, let me turn that down. There we go. Anyway, so... Um, you know, for the past week, you know, we've been studying Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And in Romans, the Apostle Paul begins applying the doctrine that he's been te teaching in the previous chapters, right? Now, I'm not saying that he has not a, made no application in the previous 11 chapters, because he has. Uh, but he begins chapter 12 in a sense of saying, in the light that I, uh, in, 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 the light of all that I have taught, how should we live? Well, let's read Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. And guys, if you'd like to comment, go ahead and comment. Um, I will see the comments and, res and, and respond. So uh, Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by m the mercies of God, to present yourselves as uh, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that test that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You know, it's in, it's it's uh, you know, I'm sorry that I had to split this this message, right? But today I'd like to continue in part two of this message. Now, you may you may remember what I said about, you know, Henry Blairmeyer's. Turn that down. Uh, he was an Englishman and he was a student of, of C.W. Lewis. And he wrote a book titled The Christian Mind. How should a Christian think? 
And in his book, his main thesis, and he repeated it over and over and over again in chapter one, there is no longer a Christian mind, meaning that there is no longer a distinctly Christian way of thinking. Now, John Calvin, who was born in, in on July 10th, 1509 in, in Nyon, France, Calvin went into self-exile in Geneva because France was opposed to the Reformation. Um, the reason the reason I mention this is because the remarkable work that Calvin did in Geneva, right? Biographer Herman, uh, well, Selheridus, uh, notes that Geneva had already decided to purify itself as its norm when Calvin was still many miles away and, in fact, still a student. Although Calvin encountered opposition and difficulty in Geneva, at one point, even being banished from Geneva for about three years, by the end of his life, Geneva was a city filled with people who had a Christian worldview. Now today, there is not only is there little or no genuine uh, Christian thinking, there is very little of thinking of any kind. Our world is well on its way to become what Pastor James Montgomery Boyce frequently called mindlessness. And we see that today. You know, we, we, we see that today in people, you know, identifying as cats or, you know what I mean, or, or, or doing whatever. And um, that's, that's disheartening, right? But the Apostle Paul makes it clear that Christians are called into mind renewal, right? Uh, he says it in chapter 12, verses 2. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Mindlessness is being conformed to this world. But Christians are called to be transformed by the renewal of their minds. In other words, Christians are called to develop a Christian mind or what is called a Christian worldview. Last time we started examining the Christian, uh, Christian worldview, uh, world so that we can understand what constitutes a Christian mind. So let me let, let me briefly let's 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 briefly review that, right? So first, you know, a Christian mind understands who God is, right? Okay. Uh, a proper understanding of doctrine of the doctrine of God helps us to respond to the worldviews of secularism and atheism. Right, secularism, uh, secularism is best summarized by the statement of Carl Sagan in his television series entitled Cosmos. Right, Sagan was pictured before standing before, <clears throat> you know, a spectacular view of the heavens and galaxies, and but he said in a hushed voice, in an almost reverential tone of voice, right, the cosmos is all that it is, or ever was, or will ever be. Right? That's bold-faced secularism, guys. And atheism asserts that God doesn't exist. You know, on October 21st, 2008, the world's foremost prominent new atheism, uh, uh, Richard Dawson, debated John Lennox, a Christian at Oxford Museum of Natural History. Dawkins made a monumental admission early in the debate, and he said, a serious case could be made for the deistic God. Now, when this statement was made, it took front page news, much to Dawkins' surprise. He denied it 
he denied that he said it. But after showing the transcripts of the debate, he, he further backtracked and tried to uh, 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 reinterpret what he had said, right? And, and as I understand it, he said on, on the defense uh, since that time regarding that statement. See, a Christian mind understands that God is an inevitable self-existence, uncaused, first cause, who stands behind everything. For the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1, 19-20, for what can be known about God is plain to people because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived even since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. So, the Christian mind understands who God is, right? Second, the Christian mind understands God's self-revelation. You know, a proper understanding of the doctrine of revelation helps us respond to the worldview of relativism. Relativism is a worldview of sets that says, that's true for you, but not for me. The God who exists has revealed himself. He has resil and, and, and he has revealed himself in nature, in history, and especially in scripture. And since God is truth, that what he reveals is true, and the truth is not relative, right? Uh, David says in Psalms 19.1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And then Paul says, uh, says of the scriptures in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training of righteousness in righteousness, that the man of God may be uh, uh, compent, competent, equipped for every good work. See, Christians believe that God not only exists, but he has revealed himself. God's revelation of himself to us in his word is to be trusted, right? Throughout the ages, God's word has been challenged with disastrous results, beginning with uh, Adam and Eve, or actually Eve doubting the word of God in the Garden of Eden. So the Christian mind understands who God is and God's self-revelation, right? I mean, we could agree on that, correct? I think we can, right? Third, the Christian mind understands the creation of the world. Proper understanding of the doctrine of, the, of creation helps us respond to the worldview of evolution. Evolution asserts that the Earth species have changed and diversified through time under the influence of natural selection. The opening sentence of the Bible asserts this in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, a Christian worldview asserts that God created the world and he's also created everything in it. The Bible describes God's creation of the world. And if science is in conflict with the Bible, then we assert the authority of God's word over science, not vice versa. So a Christian mind understands who God is and God's self-revelation and the creation of the world. So fourth, we're going to be talk we, we've talked about a Christian mind understands the creation of man. 
The proper understanding of the doctrine of man helps us understand the worldview of humanism. Humanism asserts that you're your own God. Humanism says that you're the master of your own fate, the determiner of your own destiny. Not only does humanism not understand who God is, but humanism completely misunderstands the true nature of man. John Calvin uh, begins his Institutes of Christian Religion with a classic statement. He says, our wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom, consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. The Bible has two interesting things uh, to say about regarding, uh, to say regarding man, right? First, that man is uniquely valuable being, far more important than humus, uh, humanists uh, imagine him to be. But second, in his fallen condition, man is much more worse than humans, the humanists uh, suppose. So let's take the fact that man is far more valuable than humanists imagine first, right? The Bible says that this at the very beginning of Genesis, who, uh, who when it reports God's saying in Genesis 1.27, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness in, in verse 26. And then in verse 27, we are told that so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. Because man was created in the image of God, man has a personality, morality, and spirituality, right? Now, after God created Adam and Eve, he said, and God saw everything that he has made, and behold, it was very good in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 31, right? So the Christian understands who God is, God's self-revelation, the creation of the world, and the creation of man. So today, in today's Bible study, let's continue examining the Christian worldview so we understand what constitutes a Christian mind. Fifth, a Christian uh, mind understands the fall of man. A proper understanding of the doctrine of man helps us respond to the worldview of humanism. Humanism asserts that you're your own God, master of your own fate, determiner of your own destiny. Right? Humanism does not understand who God is and has completely misunderstand the true nature of man. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the Bible has two interesting things to say regarding man. First, man is uniquely valuable and far more important than humanists imagine him to be. And second, in his fallen condition, man is much worse than humanists suppose. So let's deal with the second point. Man is fallen, man in his fallen condition is much worse, right? The Bible says that God created man in his own image in, in Genesis uh, 1.27. And God declared that his creation of man was very good in verse 31. So what happened? Sin entered the world, Adam fell, and all of Adam's prosperity fell with him. In other words, all of Adam's offspring fell with him. That's me and you, right? Paul says in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Many people, including humanists, either deny the presence of sin or misunderstand its severity. But our world just does not make sense if we do not understand 
that we are sinful. Fallen creatures living in a sinful, fallen world. Pride, envy, jealousy, gossip, theft, murder, and so on are directly result of sin. So a Christian mind understands who God is, God's self-revelation, the creation of the world and the creation of man and the fall of man. Sixth, a Christian, a Christian mind understands the incarnation of Jesus Christ. A proper understanding of the doctrine of incarnation of Jesus Christ helps us respond to the world of atheism, right? In a debate with Richard Dawkins and John Lennox, right? Lennox referenced the incarnation of Jesus Christ as a pivotal event in history of the world. Dawkins' galing response was the incarnation of Christ is so petty. Was it petty that Jesus Christ became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Son of the, uh, uh, as the only Son of the Father, and full of grace and truth in John 1.14? Was it petty that Jesus Christ, who, and this is Philippians 2, 6 through 11, who thought he was in the, oh, who though was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. Then he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's petty. So Christians believe that God not only exists but he's also revealed himself. God's revelation of himself and his, and his word is and should be trusted. Throughout the ages, God's word has been challenged with disastrous result, beginning with Eve doubting the word of God in the Garden of Eden, right? So the Christian mind understand who God is and God's self-revelation, right? So, the, so third... That was weird. Very weird. My notes from Tuesday, uh, Wednesday got copied over to the notes here. And I'm like, what? Wait a minute. That was weird. See, the Holy Spirit got, got me to kind of... Seventh, the Christian mind understands redemption. And uh, a proper understanding of the doctrine of redemption helps us respond to the uh, worldview of other religions, right? Christianity is the only religion which God comes to man. In all the other religion, man tries to make his way to God, but only Christian worldview teaches that God has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. The reason Jesus came is to reconcile sinful men and women with God. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, it was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one 
comes to the Father except through me. And how, and how do we come into right relationship with God the Father? Paul says in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing, but it is a gift from God, not a result of works, so no one may boast. The Bible teaches, and Paul especially makes clear in the letter of Romans, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay. So the Christian mind understands who God is. God, uh, God's self-revelation, the creation of the world, the creation of man, the fall of man, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, and redemption. Okay. Eighth, the Christian mind understands the kingdom of God. A proper understanding of the doctrine of the kingdom of God helps us respond to the worldview of secularism. Secularism teaches that the universe is all that there is, right? But the Christian worldview teaches that there's another kingdom besides the kingdom of the world. In fact, when Jesus was standing before Pilate uh, after his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, Pilate asked, are you the king of the Jews? And, and, and this is, you can find this in John 18, verses 33 to 36, right? And it says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you say this on your own accord? Or do you say, or did others say, uh, say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest has delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Right? So what is the kingdom that Jesus is building? Right? The kingdom can be simply defined as the rule or reign of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus successfully completed his mission of redemption. And he rules as King of Kings, Lord of Lord in Revelations 19.16. But he also rules in the heart of every Christian believer. The kingdom of God is spreading throughout the entire world. And Jesus says he will not return until the gospel has been proclaimed to all nations. For he said in Matthew 24.14, he says, The gospel and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So Christians understand who God is, God's self-revelation, the creation of the world, the creation of man, the fall of man, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, redemption, and the kingdom of God. The ninth thing that the Christian mind understands that history has a goal, right? A proper understanding of the, uh, the doctrine of eschatology helps us respond to the worldview of humanism. Humanists view the history can be summed up by the statement of Edward Gibbon. History is indeed a little more than the register of crimes, follies, and misfortunes of mankind. But history is far more than that, right? History has a goal. The New Testament repeatedly announces that Jesus Christ will one day return to earth <clears throat> this will be his royal visit his appearing 
his coming, Greek is, is parousia, right? Christ will return to this wor uh, world in glory. The Savior's second advent will be personal and physical, right? Matthew 24, 44, Acts 1, 11, Colossians uh, 3, 4, uh, 3, verse 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, and Hebrews chapter 9 through 28. Visible and triumphant, right? Which is Mark 8, 838, 2 Thessalonians 1, 10, and Revelations 1, 7. Jesus will come to end history to raise the dead and judge the world in uh, John chapter 5, verses 28 through 29. To impart God's children to their final glory, Romans 8, 17 through 18 and Colossians 3, 4. And usher in a reconstructed universe, Romans 8, 19 to, uh, verses 19 through 21 and Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. So, the Christian mind understands who God is. God's self-revelation, the creation of the world, the creation of man, the fall of man, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, redemption, the kingdom of God, and that history has a goal. Let me encourage you to develop a Christian view, worldview, right? And, and the best way to do that is study God's word so that you can grow in your understanding of a, a Christian worldview. See, Paul makes it clear that Christians are called to a mind renewal. He says in, in, in Romans 12 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I think, guys, that's very important that we do that. That we constantly do that daily, right? And I think that we should do that, right? May, may God help each one of us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen? Awesome. So, guys, just a, a couple more announcements before I close here. Guys, we planted a church here in Weezer, Idaho, and we, we need your guys' financial support and prayer. If you guys can do that, go to madefreechurch.org. Go to Made Free Church Idaho, and you will see... Uh, you know, you'll see us there. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you'll be able to use our PayPal link to donate. We need your, we need to come up with 500 more dollars to get some stuff done. So guys, if you guys can do that, it'd be, that'd be a blessing for us, right? Um, it'd be a blessing because we're able to get done what we need to get done. So if you guys can do that, but please leave your email address in the, the, uh, in the box, in the note box. That way, we can send you a tax deductible receipt since we are a five hundred one c three. And guys, let me, let me, let me. I reiterate this every time that I'm on. Nobody, no pastor, no staff, nobody in this church takes a salary from anything. We do this because we love the Lord, and yeah, so that's why we do that. So just so you guys know. All right. Uh, Man, what a morning. Love this stuff, man. Guys, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you, everybody on the podcast, for listening. God bless you guys. Everybody that's on YouTube and Facebook, God bless you guys. Thank you for being here and watching. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity that we get just to be in your presence, Lord. We love you. We worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys go and have a great day. God bless you guys.